That we're wrapping up today, we've been calling In the Meantime. And in the meantime, this series, the big question that's kind of been driving it is what do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do when you find yourself in a bad set of circumstances and it doesn't look like there's any way forward and, and there's no way out? And it just kind of is what it is, or it just appears to be that way for, for now on. And it's just going to kind of be your new normal and you're not happy about it. What do you do? What do you do? Like, and sometimes this, this can happen in areas of your health. Or it can be areas of your finances, or your career, or with your marriage, or with your kids. Like just dreams of what, when you projected in the future, what life is going to be like. And then now you look at the way things are and you think, okay, it's never going to be the way that I hoped it would be. And those dreams, they're not going to come true. And that realization becomes to set in on you, come home to you. It's not a good spot, is it? And you, and you feel stuck. And you and you're just feel lost or heartbroken. What do you do? What do you do when there's nothing you can do? That's the big thing that we've been talking about throughout this this entire series. And one of the things that um we've talked about throughout this is we we very and going back to the very first week is that we we tried to introduce a new category. And it's really not a new category when you look at scripture, but it's it's kind of a new category for us in Western Christianity because we we usually function with this idea that if there's a good God, then good things should happen to those to, to people. And yet oftentimes we find that there's lots of bad things that happen. And we begin to wonder, like, well, that must mean that God is absent or not real, or he's apathetic, he doesn't care about me at all, or he doesn't love me. And we begin going through this, because that's how it feels. That certainly feels true when you're in the middle of these in-the-meantime kind of moments. And yet what we found in this kind of category in Scripture is that it's possible. In fact, it's true that though you might be going through some really difficult circumstances and, and all kinds of hardship. God can still be and is present in your life, that he is not absent. Though he may feel absent, he's not absent. And God still cares deeply about you. He knows what's going on, and he cares about what's going on, that he is not apathetic, though it feels like he is. And that God does absolutely still love you, even though it might feel like, Come on, God. This doesn't feel like love. And one of the ways we know that this is true is because when we look at the, the people, the men, the men and women of the, uh, specifically of the New Testament, though you can really look at the entire Bible and see this. But in the New Testament, you see that the men and women who actually brought us our understanding of Jesus, who brought us our understanding of who God is, these were men and women who didn't have life easy. Like things weren't just like the wrinkle-free life and everything was great and everything went perfect for them. And then they kind of wrote up this idea of who God was in the midst of that. And of course they came up with a good God because their lives were good. That's not 
the type of people that we see who brought us our faith out of the first century. That these men and women had incredibly difficult lives. They faced unbelievable adversity, incredibly hard circumstances. Many of them have loved ones die for the faith of believing that Jesus is their Lord. And many of them would eventually die because they believed that Jesus was their Lord. And yet, for some, somehow, they did not, in the midst of their difficulty, reject God or deny God. Instead, they didn't see it as a contradiction. They held on to their faith. They continued to trust God and trust in God despite their difficult circumstances. And what we see there is that Though we feel like that's a contradiction, for them it was not a contradiction. They understood that bad stuff happens. And God can even bring bad stuff into our life for a good purpose. And it doesn't mean that God is not good. It just means that God is going to get them through this in a way that they didn't understand, but it wasn't enough to cause them to let go of their faith, but instead persevere in their faith. And that's a different category. That's kind of a different way of thinking for us. But that's kind of what we've been building this whole series out of. And and what we've seen is that um, oftentimes, though, it feels like God is absent when we're going through some really hard stuff. One of the messages we talked about in this series is, is that it actually is the opposite. That really, if you want to to acknowledge where the perhaps the epicenter of God's activity is in your life, where he's most at work in your life, it's usually right in the area of your greatest adversity. That God is using that area to draw you closer to him and to mature your faith in him. That is, we saw in James chapter 1, that God uses these trials to cause to build in perseverance so that God would make us complete or mature in Christ. That God is not absent in the midst of our trial. He's actually most at work in the very trial to make us into a mature Christian. It's very interesting. And again, it's a different way of thinking about this. But today, as we wrap up this series, I wanted to, to close us out on this topic by bringing in the idea of comfort. Because when we're in a, in the meantime situation and life is hard, the, the last thing we feel is comfort. But we really want comfort. We want this stuff to go away and we want to be comfortable again. And so we want comfort. And that makes a lot of sense. And there's these promises in Scripture, and specifically the passage we're going to look at today in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, where we're told a lot about who God is and the kind of comfort that he can bring into our life no matter what circumstances we're going through. And, and not only that, but that how God provides us this comfort because God himself suffered. And because God would suffer for us We can be comforted by him. And then it goes even one step beyond that, that not only can we be comforted by him, but that we can also then be able to comfort others for him. And I want to talk about this because one of the big things that we've brought up throughout this series is that when you find yourself in an in-the-meantime moment, and things are bad, and there's no chance of them getting better. We begin telling ourselves all kinds of lies. And oftentimes, those lies, they, they come to us like this, like, I'm never going to be happy again. Or there's no point in this. Nothing good can ever come from this. And then we can't even take it to the next step of, and therefore, there's, there's no point in continuing. 
No point in continuing this relationship. No point in continuing at this job. Or perhaps even no point in continuing living. But what we're going to talk about today, it's not the full answer, but I think it's a helpful and important part of the answer that re- is kind of a rebuttal to the idea that nothing good can come from this. That what we're going to talk about today is how the comfort that God can bring us because God would suffer for us, would enable us to be able to bring his comfort to others, is a part of the answer to the question, can anything good from, come from this? And the promise of Scripture here is absolutely good can come from this, even though that might feel so hard to believe if you're really in the middle of this. And so I just ask that you would follow along this morning and just ask God to help you believe that this is true, to, to, to show you what he has to say here and help you have the faith to believe it. So we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and through 7. I'll have the words up for you here, but if you want to turn to your Bible, that's where we'll be as well. And uh, let me read the first verse here. It says, Praise be, this is the Apostle Paul, sorry, this is Apostle Paul writing this to church in Corinth, first century believers there. He writes this, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Okay, let me stop there and just notice how he describes God here. He says that God is the Father of compassion, meaning that he is like the source of all compassion and that it's his, it's his very character that he's the father of all compassion and that he's the God of, or again, the source of all comfort, like all comfort. And it's a, it's a big statement here. And the word comfort that he uses here, and then he's going to see, he's going to repeat the word comfort an uncomfortable amount of times in this passage. You're just going to get worn out by it. But when he's using this word comfort, you'll see what he means by this. It's, it's not just a word to describe uh, like sympathy. It's not like a pat on the back. It's not a Hallmark card. That This is an idea that really, I guess, maybe put it this way. It's like empowering empathy. Empowering empathy. That it communicates the idea of one person standing alongside of another to encourage and support his friend. Interesting, this is actually the, the comfort, the word for comfort here is actually the same word used to give as a title for the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14 and 15, Jesus calls the Spirit the comforter. And that this is the same thing, but what we see in this passage is that not only is that the work of the Holy Spirit, but also here it's the work of God the Father as well. That God the Father comes alongside of us to give us the, the, the strength and support that we need to continue that he provides a comfort that brings courage, that strengthens a person's will to continue on. It's not comfort in the sense of a nice, comfortable pillow, <laughs> that kind of idea. It's comfort in the sense of a stealing, like a, a galvanizing, strengthening for someone to press on in the midst of incredible adversity. That's who Paul says God is. Now, this is interesting that Paul would say that because as we've talked about in this in this series, like Paul had an incredibly difficult life. And that even though he was completely committed to bringing the gospel to the Gentile world and planting churches and sold out for God, serving God, God brought into his life all kinds of difficulties that we talked about in this series, like a, a thorn that God brought into his life and that Paul asked God to remove it. And, and even though it was painful and debilitating and humiliating, God also said it was permanent and he wouldn't remove it. And you think, okay, that doesn't make sense, Paul. Like, why would you say that God is the God of all compassion and all comfort? And yet God has 
brought this into your life. And again, guys, it's just that category that we keep talking about here. That Paul, that didn't cause Paul to abandon his faith. It didn't cause him to say, God, okay, you're not a good God because of this. And therefore, he said, no, 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 I'm going to lean into you, God. Even though bad stuff has happened, I still believe that you're a compassionate God. I still believe that you are a comforting God. Now, why would he believe that? Well, I would venture to say it's because Paul knew that Jesus died on the cross for him. And guys, I put that out there kind of as a trump card because it's a trump card. Like Paul knew, <laughs> he'd seen the risen Jesus. And that he knew that God loved him so much that Jesus entered into our broken world. And that he suffered and that he died so that we could be made right with God and have our sins forgiven. And if God does done that, then God is compassionate. And God is a comforter. And God is not absent. And God is not apathetic. And God does absolutely love us. And so Paul knew that. And so he knew that even though bad stuff brought, God even brought bad stuff into his life, he trusted that God had a good reason for that. And even though it wouldn't feel like at the time that God is good, that God would even through the work of that, because often in the hardest times, God is the most at work in our life to mature us and make us complete. Paul would be able to see that and say, along with James, I consider that pure joy. This is a good thing, even though it feels like a bad thing. And so I can still trust that God's compassionate and he's the comforter. And if I ever begin to wonder, I just remember Jesus. That's, I think, why Paul could describe his God this way. And I think it's why we can as well. He goes on. He says this in the passage. So praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles. Okay, comforts us in all of our troubles. Now, let me just ask you a quick question. When you're in trouble, when things are bad, all kinds of hardship, adversity, things are not going well, do you pray for comfort? Do you pray for comfort? If you're like me, I don't, I don't pray for comfort. What do we pray for? God, get rid of this, right? Like, remove this. Not, okay, things are horrible. I got this sickness, and the doctors say it can't be healed, so God, could you just comfort me with my new normal? No, we say, <laughs> okay, God, now for, time for you to flex, right? Now it's time for you to do the miracle kind of stuff and just remove this from me. They say there's no chance, and so here's an opportunity for you to really glorify yourself and show them, prove those scientists wrong or those doctors wrong and just take this away from me. And But Paul says here, Man, what God brings is comfort. And yes, throughout the series, we've seen that you can pray to God to remove the, these things in our life, these hardships, these difficulties. Pray and ask God to remove them. Do that. You can do that. You have permission to do that. But what Paul's saying is that if God chooses to remove it, then you're going to find the comfort of God in that. But if God chooses to not remove it, but to walk with you through it, what you are absolutely promised is that you will also find the comfort of God in that. So he's the God of all comfort. He'll comfort you in all your troubles. And then he goes on, he says, to comfort you in all your troubles so that, so that, and if just to stop there and just try to think about, like, what would Paul write next? What would make sense is that he comforts us in all our troubles so that, 
we will be comforted, right? That, that would make sense if that's what he would go next. But that's not where he goes next. He says, so that we can. When using this idea we can, or what he means by that is that we're enabled to, or that we're empowered to, that we have some kind of ability as a result of the comfort that we receive from God. And you would think that, okay, so we can what? We, we can, God comforts us, so we can overcome. That would make sense. I would hope that that would be how he would end the sentence so that we can persevere. Again, that would make sense. Maybe we could have victory over this really difficult area. Like, I would really like that. I want it to say that, but that's not what Paul says. It's not how he finishes this sentence. This is what he says. He says, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Now, this is a big deal. Because this is what he's saying. He's saying, God comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble. That God comforts us in all our troubles, and the reason he does that, why does he do that? The reason he does that is so that we will be comforted, yes, but it's actually bigger than that. It's not just so that we will be comforted, but it's so that we can turn around and comfort other people in any or all kinds of trouble with the comfort that we have received from God. To which I would go, and perhaps you're thinking, hey, that, that's great, but I would just much rather God just change my circumstances than comfort me in them. Right? Right? I mean, that is that what we would really want? But the Apostle Paul, he says, uh, he's not always going to do that. He may do that, but he's not always going to do that. And Paul knew that. Like, Paul knew God. Like, he trusted God. He believed that Jesus was God, that he'd seen him risen, that he, he had... Uh, he knew that God had been able to conquer sin and death through Christ's death and resurrection. So he trusted in the power of God, and he believed that Jesus and God could pro- do all kinds of miracles. And yet, I think what Paul's saying here is that you need to understand there are times when God is not going to deliver you from. Instead, he's going to deliver you through. And when he delivers you through, he's doing something in you that you can then pass along to other people. That God comforts us so that we can comfort others. That God comforts us to comfort others. God comforts us to comfort others. I want to ask you a question. It's not a trick question. Just make sure you're following along with me here. Why does God comfort you? Some of y'all are paying attention. It's awesome. God comforts us to comfort others. Let me add a little bit more to this. That oftentimes, not only does God comfort us to comfort others, but God comforts us through others to comfort others. And this is how God works. That sometimes God will comfort you directly. But oftentimes, God is comforting others to comfort others, which means that you're on the end of that. And so you're going to get the comfort from others so that you, of God so that then you can turn around and give God's comfort to others. 
And it's helpful to just understand that that's a part of how God has designed this to work. And it's the part of how God works when we find ourselves in the midst of these incredibly difficult circumstances. He goes on to say this, For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also, or meaning in, like in the same way, our comfort abounds through Christ. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. And so let me explain a little bit what this means, because I mean, it's a little cloudy. It was a little cloudy for me until I studied a little bit more. But um, basically, this phrase, the sufferings of Christ, some people use that to just narrow down into uh, like the sufferings of Christ when it came to his, uh, his crucifixion. But most theologians agree that this is really a reference to all, of the, all that Christ suffered as a result of becoming human. The becoming as a man. And, and so it's everything from little to big. Everything from like he got cold or he got hot to bigger things like he got lonely to big things or real big things like he was betrayed, that he was rejected, that he was despised, that he was beaten, that he was crucified. But what Paul is saying here is that just as Christ suffered, that when we suffer, we're sharing in Christ's sufferings. That Christ, that God, suffered. And that he suffered in so many ways that any kind of suffering you find yourself in, you're actually sharing in Christ's suffering. That Christ had a dark night of the soul. Perhaps you've had a dark night of the soul. Christ was rejected by his friends. Perhaps you've been rejected by your friends. That Christ felt abandoned. He was lonely. He was weary. He was without a wife or a family. He died. (laughs) None of us have related to that one yet. But that's Christ's sufferings. And when you suffer, you share in the sufferings of Christ. Paul talks about this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. He actually says it's something that he, he looks forward to, which is really weird. But he uses this phrase that the fellowship of Christ's sufferings, the fellowship of suffering. And what Paul, I think, is getting at when he says that when we, when we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings and we also share in Christ's comfort, the comfort that comes to us through Christ, what he's saying is that really, I guess you could say two things. The reason this is powerful and the reason this is helpful is because when we suffer like Christ suffers. We share in his suffering. God uses that to move us closer to Christ, to move us into a deeper dependence with Christ. That suffering, and the way that God hopes that we would respond to it, is to be a catalyst to greater dependence and greater intimacy with God. In fact, later in this passage, Paul will talk about that. In in, uh, verse 8, he says it this way. He says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Like, we just thought we were all going to die. Indeed, he says in verse 9, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened. There was like a purpose for this, he goes on to say, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. 
that God, God brought the suffering into our lives. We thought we were going to die, but then we figured out that this, there's a purpose behind this, and it's a good thing. God's wanting to use this to draw us closer to God. The suffering is to be a catalyst that we would, that we would depend on God and experience deeper intimacy with God. And then he says, and when we turn to God, and we depended on him more, you know what we found? We found comfort. Now, why did they find comfort there in God? Because, again, if I'm in Paul's shoes, I'm so tempted to reject God. I'm trying to serve you, God, and you got us in places where I'm actually fearing for my life. Where are you? But Paul doesn't turn away from God. He turns into God, leans into God, and what he does is he finds comfort. Why does he find comfort? Because when he turns to God, he doesn't find a God that's apathetic. And he doesn't find a God that is absent. That when he turns to God, what he sees in his God is a God that has also suffered for Paul. And when we turn to God, what we find is not a God that is absent. We find a God that is absolutely there and present and who suffered for us. The reason that when we turn to God, it's comforting is because we're turning to a God who knows suffering and knows suffering on our behalf. That we don't find a distant God or an uncaring God or a God that can't relate to what we're going through. Instead, we find a God that can honestly say, I know I've been there. And I was there for you. And in that, there's incredible comfort. Is there not? He says that when we share in his sufferings, we also share in the comfort that abounds to us through Christ because Christ would suffer for us. He continues on. He says, if we are distressed, talking about, you know, he uses we here. So he's talking about Paul. He's talking about his whole team. And he says, uh, you know, if we're distressed, it's for your comfort and your salvation. And salvation, this uh, uh, usage is deliverance and specifically deliverance from their sufferings. It's not like eternal salvation, it's, but it's a comfort and salvation. If we're distressed, it's for your comfort and salvation. In other words, Paul is saying, hey, I've been kicked out of, t- out of towns. I've been stoned. I've been shipwrecked. I've been beaten. I've got this thorn that won't go away and yet I keep on pressing on and continuing to serve. And I'm doing that. I'm being distressed, but I'm doing that for your comfort. I'm doing that for your deliverance so that you could see that you can make it through this difficult circumstances that the believers in Corinth found themselves in. He says, I'm doing this so that you, so it can be helpful for you. And then he goes on, if we are comforted by God, it is for your comfort. In other words, again, the reason we are receiving comfort from God is not simply so we will be comfortable, but so that we can comfort others who are going through very difficult times. So that Paul could look, or write in this case, to the believers in Corinth and say, guys, hey, hey, I've been there. And I know it's hard. But I also know you can get through it. Because there's this great God who's this great comforter, and he's comforted me, and so let me comfort you by pointing you to him, because he can get you through this. And so when I was comforted, it wasn't just for me, though that was true. It was also so I could comfort you.
Guys, I feel like there's a principle here that's really huge. And uh, this is how I guess the best way I knew how to word it is this. I think this means that our capacity to comfort other people is determined by the degree to which we have suffered and been comforted by God. And here's what I mean by this. This does not by any means mean that those who haven't suffered greatly cannot comfort those who are suffering greatly. Absolutely you can and you should seek to comfort those who are really going through a difficult time. But Paul is saying, I was greatly distressed. I was going through all this incredible adversity so that we could be a comfort to you and that the level of the, like he ties in the level of adversity and hard stuff that he had gone through was great, enabling him to a greater extent to be able to be more comfort to these believers in Corinth. And I think that the greater you suffer, the more capacity that God, if you're faithful in that and comforted to God by God in that, instead of hitting the eject button and running away from God, but you lean into God, you find comfort from God. The greater you suffer, the greater you're comforted, the greater you're able to comfort others who are going through incredibly difficult times. I think we've probably experienced this or seen this happen, this principle at play, where you, you've perhaps had a, a friend like as a pastor, many times I find myself in situations where I'm counseling someone who's going through something extremely difficult. And I, and I mean, I've got a lot to learn, but I have some go-to truths that I know are helpful. And I bring those to bear, and they are helpful. But I've seen friends come in when I'm counseling somebody at a hospital room or something like that, and a friend come in who doesn't know a lot of the truth. I mean, they, they, they're believers. They've been comforted by God, but they can't maybe rattle off verse after verse after verse or anything like that. But they can come in and they can sit down with their friend and look them eye to eye and just say these two powerful words. I know. And the comfort that that brings is unbelievably powerful. You know, have you been there? Or have, perhaps you've seen that, that someone comes in and is able to say, I've been where you are, and I know you can get to where I am now because of the comfort that God can bring. To be able to say, I know, I know your fears, I know what you're feeling, I know the despair, I have been there, but here's what else I know. You can make it. You can get to the other side. There's life on the other side. I know because I'm there now because of what God has done for me. That is incredibly, incredibly powerful. Here's what I've seen is that that kind of comfort is life-giving to the person that's being comforted. It's that idea of comfort, that's that, that galvanizing, strengthening, empowering empathy that, that causes someone to not just say, you understand, but it says, I can, I can make it. That's incredibly powerful. But here's, guys, here's the other thing that I know and that I've seen so many times is that that kind of comfort is also life-giving to the comforter. It's life-giving to the person bringing the comfort. So many times have I seen someone 
who has been in such an incredibly difficult, dark place where everything is just falling down around them. And yet they, by receiving the comfort from God, either directly from God or from others, have persevered. And whether they're all the way out of it or they're just gotten to a place where they could see there is light on the other side, they are able to be in a situation either purposely or sometimes stumbling into a situation where they, a friend or someone that they know, finds themselves in the same place that they were in. And they walk into that house or they walk into that hospital room or they walk into that cubicle and they're able to say, I know, I know, I know, I know. It's so hard. I've been there. And perhaps I'm still there. But let me tell you, there's life on the other side. That that right there is not just comforting to the the one being comforted, but it's also comforting. It's life-giving to the person doing the comforting. And here's why. And I know this is hard to hear, but gosh, I pray that God will give you the faith to believe this if you're in this setting. If right now you're in the midst of an incredibly difficult, in the meantime situation. Here's what you need to hear. When you... Find yourself in that situation. It's, it's a taste. It's not the full answer, but it's at, least, it's at least a glimpse into the truth that something good can actually come from this. Where you see God set me up in this situation to where I now, having been comforted by God, can be a comforter to this friend. And it's like, ah, I never thought anything good could ever come from this. But here it is. And you see how life-giving your comfort is to your friend or your coworker or your neighbor. And all of a sudden, you feel it too. Guys, that's how God designed this to work. The God comforts us, the God of all comfort, so that we can be a comfort to others. And when we comfort others, we find that there's a purpose and there is something good that can come from what we've been through. <coughs> Paul finishes this passage this way. He says, If we are comforted, it's for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, you also share in our comfort. So let me just read this whole thing together for us and help us kind of put it, put it uh, you know, uh, all, all together. He says this, Praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Guys, there it is. And if you're not a Christian, or if you don't read your Bible often, or perhaps you read your Bible every day, but you need, guys, I would just encourage you, if you're in the middle of an in-the-meantime moment, go home and read these verses again. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. Because 
for you in that moment or when you find yourself in this moment. These verses can, are life-giving because they give you a glimpse. They give you a promise that there is a purpose to this, this thing that you're going through. And that something good can come from this if you will endure and be comforted by God because he wants to comfort you so you can be a comfort to others. Here's, here's the principle. I'll say it this way. In the meantime, in the meantime, go to the God of all comfort who comforts you in all your troubles so that you can comfort those who need comforting with the comfort that you have received from God. As I was working on this message, I just had so many stories come to my mind of how I've seen this be played out. And I don't have time to share all of them with you, but just to share a couple real quick, just so you know that this is not just words on a page, that this is life, this is a promise, this is how God's designed things to work. It's a principle that has real impact on your life and other people's lives. Like I think about my good friends, John and Stacy Whitaker. And John and Stacy were friends of ours at the church that we came from, Hill Country Bible Church, Pflugerville. And John and Tracy uh, had two kids, but one of them is in heaven um, because their son at the age of 10, his name is Mitch, uh, he died of a form of leukemia after two-year-long battle that he ended up um, succumbing to. And John and Tracy, like, just, they wear that grief on their sleeve still to this day because you just don't get past the loss of a child. And you ask him, and, you know, he, I've seen him introduce himself at different settings before, and he introduces himself as John Whitaker. I'm dad of two awesome kids. One of them is in heaven. That's kind of his, his statement. Like, you just don't get past that. And I just don't know that grief. And I, I can't even imagine it. But uh, John and Tracy, they still believe God is good. I mean, it's like, it's like Paul. God's God of all comfort and all, all compassion, and yet he's gone through all this difficult stuff. But John, says, John Tracy lost their son, says God is good. And so they, they decided, hey, we're gonna, we need to do something. <laughs> kind of in memory of Mitch, but also that would have put us into a, a, a position to be a light to parents who are going through what we've been through. And so they started a foundation called Go Mitch Go. Perhaps some of y'all have seen billboards of that foundation. They've got a billboard right now on 35. And they raised money for, uh, you know, fight the kind of cancer that took their son. And as a result, they um, have met tons and tons of other parents that have gone through or are going through what they've been through. And they use that opportunity and the, the comfort that they have received from God and from others from God, to be at a place to be able to help those parents walk through what they've walked through. I called John this week and asked him permission to tell his, his story, and this is what he said to me. Um, he said, uh, so you know, if you ever want to use our story to help others, I'm great with that. See, I know God, and again, because you still believe in God? Yeah, I still believe in God. Yeah, you mean God who gave his son to die for me? Yeah, even though 
my son was taken. Yeah, I still believe, I believe it because God gave it. So yeah, I still believe in God. But I just said, he said, I know God wants me to keep pursuing that purpose of being a light to parents who have lost their children. So however we can do that, I'm up for that. I just think, wow. We have women in our church who have been abused and molested. And on multiple occasions in the young life of our church, when we're not even a year and a half old, they have shared their stories openly so that others can know there's hope and there's life on the other side of that. And so they, they want to be there for anyone who has suffered in that way because they know they are uniquely qualified to bring comfort to those who have suffered in that way by, as a result of the way that God has comforted them. I've got a great friend named Jeff. And Jeff, uh, y'all heard me talk about him earlier in the series, but Jeff's older brother committed suicide when he was in high school. And that was incredibly difficult, as you can imagine. And then a few years later, Jeff got uh, uh, leukemia. He got cancer. And it was a long battle, long, long battle. He ended up having a full bone marrow transplant, kidney transplant, and on and on and on. But praise be to God, God has seen him through that. And he's got a clean bill of health now, but he has suffered so much. One of the side effects of his cancer is that he's unable to have biological children. He and his wife, they decided to adopt. And uh, in the adoption process, a caseworker approached them with a case of a, of a child that was um, uh, um, yet to be born, but given his backstory and some incredibly sad and horrific circumstance, the caseworker says there's a good chance that this child's going to have some pretty big handicaps. So Jeff and his wife, Nikki, they prayed about it. They asked God what they, God would have them do. And they said, and as I talked to him about this story, he said, hey, here's what we knew. We knew that um, as a result of the way that God has comforted us as we went through such incredible trials and suffering for so long, we feel like we're uniquely equipped to be the parents of this boy. So we think the way that God has comforted us through our sufferings is going to uniquely enable us to be a comfort to our son. And so they adopted him. As I tell you these stories, not, not to make you all watch me cry, <laughs> but... um. Because there are people who really believe this. And though bad stuff happens, we still hold on to the, pr- to the fact, to the truth, that there is a good God who loves us and is not absent and is not apathetic, but uh, who died in our place, who suffered for us, so that we would, when we find ourselves sharing in his sufferings, we also find that we can share in his comfort so that we can then share his comfort. 
and crazy men and women like these stories I just told and the men and women in this room, this is what is available to us. And it may not feel like that's possible while you're in the midst of it. But guys, in faith, cling to the promise of God. This is who your God is. He's the father of compassion and the God of all comfort. And he will comfort you so you can comfort others. And though you will feel like you'll never be happy again, and though you'll feel like nothing good could ever come from this, and though you'll feel like there's no point in continuing, let me be very clear as we wrap up. Those are lies. And you can be happy again. And something good absolutely can come from this. And there is a point in continuing. And I pray you'd cling to these truths to help you continue day after day after day. We're going to wrap up this series and this morning by taking communion together. And the way we're going to do that this morning is we're going to um, give you a chance to respond during the worship set. And so when you're ready, you can get up and head over and take the bread and the cup. But here's why we want to end with communion in this way. The end of this series this way is because that's what we remember when we're taking communion is we're, t- we're remembering that Jesus really did suffer. Jesus, who is God, the God, God, the son really did suffer for us. That Jesus, knowing that he's about to be betrayed and about to be falsely tried and beaten and crucified, knowing that was what was ahead of him in the next coming hours, took time to have a meal with his friends to celebrate the Passover meal. And at that meal, he held up the bread and he said, this bread is my body, which is broken for you. And he held up a cup and he said, this cup is the cup of the new covenant, which is for you. And what he was saying there is, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to suffer. My body is going to be broken. My blood is going to be spilled. I'm going to suffer. And guys, I'm going to suffer for you. But I'm going willingly. So that through my suffering, through the breaking of my body and spilling of my blood, you can enter into my comfort. That the God, who is the father of all compassion and all comfort, can actually become your father because of how I'm going to suffer on your behalf. So that's what we remember so when you're ready, you come up and take communion. And as you're taking it, you think about how Jesus suffered for you. So when you suffer, you can share in his suffering and, and actually experience deeper intimacy with him. Because you know he's done this too. It was for me. And when you take the bread, you take the cup, you also remember, because Christ suffered, I can find comfort. And that comfort is there so I can give it to others. Father, would you teach us this? Would you comfort us that we could comfort others? God, there's so many in here that I know desperately need your comfort. May we cling to the cross, the proof that you love us and you care for us and that you died for us, that you suffered for us. And may we, in sharing in your sufferings, share in your comfort, that we can also share your comfort. And for those of us who wonder, is there any point in this? Is there anything good that come from this? May God, may these truths come home to us. Give us the faith to believe.
Yes. Because our God is a God of all comfort. Something good can come from this. God, use us in that way for your glory and our good. Amen.